school. Hey, Ward, are you there? Okay, welcome. So, cool. And you, you rather have your camera off? No, it just wouldn't let me turn it on earlier. I was waiting for you. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Cool. You should have all the permissions. Great. Thank you for coming. It's good to see you. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Anaili. I will introduce the panelists very quickly in a moment. I'll just give you um, a brief context of, on what we are doing today here. So this is chapter session 85 on the Mixed Nuts Reading Club. It's like a project that in a way came um, into existence with the purpose of um, one, connecting with people and sharing what the translators are doing. Uh, and this is a way to, to somehow make accessible um, some of the content that, that, you know, Geshe Michael and the rest of the Mixed Nuts translators are, the content they are working with. And number two, it's a good way to fundraise for them to keep going and keep doing it. So, so here we are. And what we are doing is like every week, which is a reading, a topic. We share a reading with everybody. And then we invite some panelists. We discuss, we talk about it. We share our, our ideas or questions about the topic. And we try to learn and share what we can about it. So this is again, as I say, um, chapter 85. And what we're doing here is like, we are going through a series on um, the Bodhisattva Charya Bhattara written by Master Shantideva. And I, I kind of joking was saying like, don't tell ACI people, but I'm taking the readings from ACI course 10. Uh, but of course, you know, the readings are like, the, the original sources are the material that the mix nuts work with. And actually it's very exciting because Geshe Michael last translation term, he just announced that he, he, he himself is gonna write um, commentary on this very same text, the Bodhisattva Charya Bhattara. So it's gonna be very exciting. If you come to the next translation term, you're gonna also get to know more and more about this text. We're gonna go together through it. So here we are. We are on the part like Master Shantideva is teaching us and sharing with us how to develop bodhicitta. He first tells us what it is. Then he tells us what are the benefits of getting bodhicitta. But then he say, but wait, guys, if you want bodhicitta, there is a, a many steps you have to take. The very first one, it seems to me that is you really have to want it. It's going to be very hard to get it if you don't want it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know even if it will be possible to get it if you don't want it. Who knows? I don't know. That, that's going to be a first question from the panelists. What do you guys think? Do you think you can get bodhicitta even if you don't want to get it? Um, what do you think, Ward? I see you smiling. You have a good idea. Um, yeah, I think it's possible, actually. How will that be? Isn't it the case that the first kind of bodhicitta you get is the wish to get bodhicitta? Um, usually, I mean, I feel like the texts are, uh, they're a map, they're not the terrain, you know? Like, All right, I like that. Yeah, so 
I think it's possible. Like, um, oh, uh, Yajni Maitra in uh, in um, in uh, Crown of Knives. He he just when the night when the the crown is coming on his head, you know, mm-hmm. he just he just thinks to himself, well, he's having intelligent regret <laughs> but and then then he spontaneously gets bodhicitta right he doesn't like think about it and want it for a long time or something i but, guess but he 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 makes a prayer right like i wish i can take all the suffering from everybody and what will be that personal responsibility he jumps straight from personal responsibility and then bodhicitta well, that's the cause and effect method, right? That's yeah. six and seven. So, but I don't know. You can argue about it, but it seems like yeah, did he really want bodhicitta? Or did he just want the knives to stop? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. What do you guys think? What do you think, Anaili? Do you think? What do you think about wanting bodhicitta? It's like even it's interesting, right? Like bodhicitta is wanting enlightenment in order to benefit everybody. But then there is a previous step where you develop wanting the wanting <laughs> or something like that. What do you think about that step? Like, how much do we actually want? Like, wake up in the mornings and then, ah, I want to want something. I want to want to get enlightened. And what's your take on that? In my experience, I think it's very difficult. For me, it's very challenging to want to have bodhicitta. Um, Because uh, for me, first I need to study it deeply in order to really understand what it is. Because it's a very complex concept uh, and a very high spiritual objective. Um, I am more on the um, analytical part uh, and less drawn to the emotional feelings part. And that's why for me, um, bodhicitta is uh, challenging. And uh, the way that I am tricking myself to want it more and more is to use logic to understand why I should be wanting it and why it is good for me and for the people around me. So that's uh, the trick that I'm using. And I'm, I must confess, I'm not thinking about it every day, especially when I wake up. <laughs> but you know what? It's cool that in a way, I think Master Shanti Deva is anticipating that I think, I, I don't know if this happened to everybody or to many people. I mean, it has happened to me for sure. Same as you say. But the way that he starts is like a very good um, car salesman, as Geshe Michael sometimes says. Like, because he presents, okay, what is bodhicitta? And he kind of describes what it is. And then he starts like, and I'm going to tell you why it's going to be good for you. And he starts describing like, it's going to be amazing. You're going to be able to do this and to feel this other thing and the people around you. So he's doing a very good um, sales speech. Um, what do you think about it, Brian, about wanting a wanting? Um, <clears throat> for me, I don't know. I, to be honest, wanting a wanting is something, it's a complex idea. <laughs> 
because um, you, whether you want something or not, you know, you know, of course the the maybe what 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 you are referring to when you say wanting the wanting is acknowledging that you have a need. So then you develop the wanting of the solution for that need. But like previously thinking, oh, I want to want that thing. I mean, I understand it like you can drive your mind logically to that point. But as Anna mentioned, uh, truly wanting to want something, I don't know, it's a complex idea for me. It's like, how do you get to that point? If you want to want something, then you already want something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you need to want to want the first want to have the second want. So it's like the egg and the chicken. How do you start all of that process? And I think that the beginning of that cycle, which it's not really a cycle, uh, it's more like a chain, uh, would be to understand that you have a need for something. And then you get to the point in which that need becomes so high or so yeah. urgent that you start painful. wanting. <laughs> yeah, so painful, correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the idea that I thought when you want to want something is like somebody, I don't know, you get to your parents' house, let's say, all of a sudden, and then you see they are having like a beautiful dinner, amazing dinner, your favorite dinner, but you already ate. And you're like, ah, I'm not hungry, but I wish I was. I don't know. It's just an example. But, but, but I really like what you say. I really like what you say in the sense of um, developing uh, an understanding for the need of it, like making a reality check and realizing, yeah, it's not only that we want it, it's almost that we need it. I like that. And, and Bodhicitta also the other day we were talking with Ben Kramer and we were trying to understand bodhicitta not only as a wanting or as a wish for something beautiful, but also as an energy, something that happens inside of you and as in a, in a yoga point of view, like what happens to your body and to your channels and to your energy when you have bodhicitta, when you don't have bodhicitta. And that's also a very interesting perspective um so that's the way <laughs> imagine guys this was only the introduction uh that's um master shanti deva take us first like what is bodhicitta why you should get it and now he's like okay now that you want it what are we supposed to do to get it and first thing he says is like okay phil first if you want to go to the party go and take a good shower brush your teeth, clean yourself, basically. And he goes very deep into the whole process of purifying. He says one of the first steps in order to get us ourselves ready to get bodhicitta is to purify ourselves. It's not, the, it's not the only preliminary. There are others like making offerings. We also, last, se last session, we talked about it, how you, as a preliminary, you make offerings, especially to the three jewels. 
meaning in a way an absence how do you offer to an absence related to emptiness he also talks about how um we do postrations again to the three jewels mainly and now he's talking about how to purify and this is the the subject of today he talks about the four powers that many of us may be very familiar with it but what i really like about this um reading is that he goes into so much detail into each one of the powers so today's subject more specifically is just the very first power the power of destruction um so i would like maybe to ask you guys what's what has been your experience with using this practice using the practice to purify like many times we talk about the four steps and people tell about personal experiences success stories i don't know really if personally i have like very clear um clear moments when i was like yes i did the purification and this happened and this worked and i felt this or but maybe it's just that i'm not very good at it um what's your take how how has this practice being used for you and maybe you have your own personal like tricks or advices that you can share with us to make it accessible and and to work do you have anything work <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> i mean i have a ton of purification stories uh mm. they're not pretty they're not pretty though um <laughs> some of them are really nasty um i don't know um it's interesting i've done the four steps a lot just like you know like going through each step <clears throat> and then i think in general i don't know really trying to do the mm, three principal pass and trying to hang out with Geshe <clears throat> michael as much as possible and my other teachers it's like a it's like you're always doing the four steps because the steps aren't i mean you you can and should do them like in order and purposefully if something comes up but i mean all four of them are basically just dharma practice <laughs> right i mean intelligent regret as we've <clears throat> are on the verge of discussing is is basically just understanding that you did something that's going to have a bad result later and and you know and the rest of the three basically are just practice right um not doing it again means just doing other things that are better for you and doing antidotes are the things that you should have been doing in the first place kind of. so i don't know i kind of try to make the four steps uh um a, like a lifestyle and because of that i don't know i've had many many purifications and um a lot of those purifications actually just happened on the feeling level you know i've had bad stuff happen all of a sudden uh like i had a bike got stolen from me and i knew it was going to get stolen and i was like okay i used to take stuff when i was a kid bye <laughs> and then it got taken like the next week or something i was like yeah i know stuff like that has happened like bigger clear events 
you know, and they the whole thing they say about in the diamond cutter, like if you practice this, you'll get headaches, you know? I've had tons of kind of mental afflictions, but it's it's really particular. It's not like I'm just upset or something. It's like things are clearing. Um, so yeah. That's great. So basically what you're saying is in a way, uh, dedicating your time, energy, your life basically to your dharma practice in general, it's already purifying. Either if you do it like um, over the steps very consciously, or you just dedicate your time to to keep going in your in dharma. Yeah, well, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. That's that's very helpful for me because sometimes, yeah, it's it's good to know, like, yeah, you can simplify a lot just by okay do what you have to do and the cleaning is going to happen that's great what will be your your take on on this practice anaili like do you, have you seen have you used it a lot not enough or uh, what have you learned from it what questions do you have anything how has it been for you um now it's fun at the beginning it wasn't that fun because in my experience the success of the four powers is having something bad happen to you immediately after so one uh, one example that um, one very clear example that uh, i remember uh, at the beginning of my practice about five years ago I was doing four powers on uh, my financial life. And one of the things that has happened was that the next day after I did four powers, I forgot my wallet at home. And it was, it was a time when I didn't have my card on the phone and stuff like that. Basically, I was cut out from my money uh for a short period of time it, it was a small disaster and when i realized i really started to laugh and i said okay fine i'm going get work without money it's uh, it's okay um it's one of my favorite practices uh, because uh, you can see the results very fast it's much faster to pull out a weed rather than see the plant grow. Uh, it's kind of painful, but in the moment that you see the small disaster and you remember that there isn't anything that is coming from its own side, I experience a sort of joy that, okay, this is the sign. Apparently something has been cleaned. Um, and uh, based on this practice, I have um, also created a workshop uh, for my seed system friends uh, that I called Karma Detox. And we were doing four powers on all the 10 rules of ethics. And I was uh, starting with a disclaimer. The success of this workshop means that tomorrow, maybe something bad will happen to you 
and you need to remember what you did uh, this evening in the workshop. Uh, and I have received many stories, uh, funny stories, yeah, about what has happened after that. So yeah, it's a very useful practice that needs courage from the person who <laughs> starts doing it. And it's very, uh, so in one of the um, uh, small retreats that I have done last year, uh, with meditation and uh, all the works, um, I have understood a little bit better in my mind the fact that the four Starbucks steps are not working properly if you don't do four powers before. So it's very important whenever you have an objective, first to pull out the weeds and then to plant the seeds and celebrate the good things that you have done for other people. That's my take on the four powers. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I get the things from there. Like the question I immediately got is like, what if I do the four powers and then no, no disaster happens? Like, <laughs> am I doing them wrong? Like, do I 100% have to experience a bad thing? And, and, and yeah, it's, it's sometimes it has happened to me, like this thought of maybe I should not purify that because I don't want problems, you know, like, like, you know, what if I purify that and then something bad happens and I don't want things happen. But, but it's just one of those tricks that mind plays. Um, yeah, I think it just can be one of those signs of misunderstanding on the practice now another thing you were saying first let's pull the weeds out then let's plant i like that it's like in nature in nature usually you do that and but if you think about it step number what the antidote step number four well yeah not necessarily but it's like it's like an antidote could be in a way a, a four-step plan could be Although they say, for some reason, they really strongly recommend using um, studying about emptiness or meditating about emptiness as, as an antidote as well, that I find very interesting. What's your experience with this, um, Brian? Like, how do you live this practice? Have you seen good things happening or bad things, meaning good <laughs> things happening? Well, I have also tons of funny stories using the four powers. And one of the... <clears throat> The stories that I remember the most is uh, in the middle of the night after a couple of four powers sessions, uh, I started to feel physically a lot of cold. And I remember it was summer. So I put on like two jackets and then my blankets and the cold was still there. It was really funny. Then I, I went down and I prepared myself a cup of hot tea and the, the the coldness remained then i went into the shower and took a shower with almost boiling water and i still was very cold and the, the very next day when i woke up i don't even remember how i get to sleep because after the shower i still was very cold and um 
the very next day I, I, I woke up with this very um, joy, uh, joyful state of mind. And then I, 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 at that moment, I didn't like connect, you know, the, the four powers with all this experience. But after a couple of hours into the day, I realized, oh, you know, uh, I've been doing the four powers. Maybe this is why I experienced all this whole, this whole uh, process during the night. And yeah, I mean, I like to think that that was uh, a consequence of the four powers. Then, the other day, um, well, not the other day, I mean, a couple of weeks later, after that experience, there's this cartoon called um, Last, Last Airbender Avatar. Maybe you know it, it's a really nice uh, cartoon. And there's this bad guy that is chasing after the, the main character. And in, in one episode, this guy, is like experiencing like a change of of uh, thinking in which he turns basically he won't he goes from being the bad guy to becoming the good guy, and during the night, this guy uh, experiences this a, a very similar experience, and I was like, oh, that guy is doing four powers, and I I never realized it, and he's living exactly the same thing. And then uh, at the very next day for that guy, uh, he wakes up and he's in a very good mood and he lives with his uncle and he's mainly uh, mean with his at his uncle. But after this experience, he started to be joyful and cheerful and, you know, and I was like, wow, yeah, Prince Zuko, thank you. It's Prince Zuko. And uh, it was really, really funny to see that Zuko had a very ex experience like that. From that moment, I started to watch that cartoon with particular attention. And that cartoon is full of wisdom, I gotta say. Uh, but then after that, uh, another experience that I remember vividly is, I don't know what kind of four powers I was doing, but um, I remember that I was washing my hands after, after doing the four powers. And I had like an iPad right here on the top for some reason, I lean, I lean uh, forward, and then the iPad falls with the edge right here in my head. It hurt so much. And the whole screen of the iPad crashed. And I was like, oh, yes, it worked. That particular time, I was expecting to something, something to happen. And I was really, really excited that it happened. But as Ward said, uh, most of my experiences with the four powers are related to mental affliction more than physical stuff happening. I think that's the reason why I remember these two episodes more vividly because they are the few examples in which something in the, let's say, physical world happened something to me. Most of them are, are um, mental afflictions. And what Anna says about doing the four powers to clean the wheat it's so true. I mean, you take all those weeds that, um, that um, how do you say, like drain the energy of the good seeds that you use with your four steps. And then the results come super fast. 
So that's my experience with the four powers. Thank you, Brian. Very inspiring. And I really like the, the story of the cartoon avatar. And I'm just going to throw this. If anybody wants to say something about it, you can. If not, we can just move on. And actually, we should do a little of the reading. But how will you guys connect? Just, just think about it. How will you guys connect? Lungseng Yukpa Chikpa. So thoughts and energy travel together. The energy moving in the inner channels and doing the, the four powers, you start thinking differently and then you get sick and cold and stuff. I think there has to be a connection there. Um, <laughs> it's like your body's so used to be messed up that when you start fixing it, it's <laughs> Um, if anybody wants to say something, anytime you're welcome. Um, otherwise, let's do a little bit of the reading. All right. Um, wait. Good. And the very, the First few paragraphs are kind of the introduction, so maybe let's just read them without stopping much. Uh, who's next? Who, will you? Are you up for reading a little word? Sure, in English. <laughs> yes. Or Tibetan, if you can translate instant instantaneously. <laughs> I don't think that fast, but um, <clears throat> okay. Um, four powers of purification. Power one, destruction, part one. Uh, the fourth section here concerns purifying yourself of bad deeds through using all four of, of the forces together. We begin with a general presentation. You should, from the very beginning, make efforts to see that you are not sullied by performing any harmful actions. Despite your efforts, however, such an, such an action may occur due to some instance of carelessness and attack of mental afflictions or the like. It would be a mistake in such a case to simply ignore the bad deed. <clears throat> you should rather exert yourself in the various methods of repairing the damage. These methods were taught by our compassionate teacher. Maybe a few more paragraphs. Okay. Thank you. Instances in which you have committed some transgression of your vows, at whichever level of vows you may have, should be repaired according to the methods prescribed for those particular vows. For repairing the damage caused by other kinds of bad deeds, you should utilize the four powers. As the Sutra on the Four Practices states, if, O loving one, some great Bodhisattva has succeeded in the four practices, then even those bad deeds which have been, com been both committed and collected can be overcome. What are the four practices? These are as follows, the activity of destruction, the activity of applying the antidote, the, the force of restraining, from the particular bad deed and the force of the foundation. The expression committed and collected refers to actions whose karmic results are certain to be experienced. If even these types of karmic results can be overcome by the four practices, then there is no need to mention those which are not certain to be experienced. Thank you, Ward. And actually I had a question um, that I shared with you guys what's this thing about karmas that are committed and collected and certain to be experienced like what i thought is like supposedly every karma 
it's certain to be experienced, no? It's not that one of the laws of karma. Do you guys know what does this mean? Yeah, it's in Seiji's book. I mean, mm -hmm. not Seiji's, excuse me. Sugang's first book. They talk mm -hmm. about it a lot. And what is it? Can you give us a brief general explanation? <laughs> One second. Okay. Sorry. No. Um, um, let me see. Um, yeah, there's a huge, huge part on uh, karma, <clears throat> karma that's committed and collected and then the permutations thereof. I believe committed just means doing it. Um, and I believe, we, we, I have to double check. I did see it in the reading you sent out, but I think collected has to do with um it's, how we yeah wondering if it has something to do with the car full karmic path that they call or if if it's one of those things that are certain to ripen in one lifetime you know like their categories i don't know if it's connected i think it is a full karmic path it's mm -hmm. not it's not the one it's not when it's it's um if it's a full karmic path or not. Mm -hmm. So we know it's connected to that. If anybody else has any idea, please share. If not, uh, uh, yeah. Well, actually I thought, now I may be wrong, I know. Um, I thought that it was related to actually the, the time where the seed ripened. <laughs> time? Yeah, like this lifetime or next lifetime, you know? That's what I thought as well, but I don't know for sure. But it's good to know that you don't know. Then you start because, yeah. wanting <laughs> to know. <laughs> I remember I read something in, in this book called All Kinds of Karma. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I don't remember for sure. I will go dig into it. Okay. We have homework in the, <laughs> in the session. Okay. So I can, are, I can you, check right now too. Cool. Maybe, well, Anna, Ilya, are you up for reading a little bit more? And in the meantime, maybe work can check. Yes, of course. Cool. Thank you. I'll share the screen again. Uh, all right. Share. Okay. The first of these four forces involves feeling strong regret over having committed some negative action. In order to achieve this level of regret, you must contemplate carefully the way in which negative actions trigger three different karmic results. The second force, as described in the compendium of trainings, consists of performing practices such as studying the profound scriptures of the canon, meditating on emptiness, reciting secret words, preparing physical representations of the holy bodies of enlightened beings, making offerings, and reciting the names of high beings. Should I stop or should I continue? Continue a little bit because this is just a general explanation of the four forces. Mm -hmm. I was trying to give some time to the translators. <laughs> Beautiful. 
very considerate issue <laughs> as well. The third force is to restrain yourself perfectly from ever committing these negative actions again in the future. The fourth consists of meditating upon the wish for enlightenment and similar practices. Here is the first force which is described in great detail. The points to be considered at the time at which the bad deeds may have been committed, the cause, the mode of expression, the undertaking of the deed, its object, and how the deed was committed. Next, we present some detail on each of the four, the force of the activity of destruction, the force of the foundation, the force of the activity of applying the antidote, and the force of restraining from the particular bad deed. Great, great. So actually this reading is, this is just the introduction. The main content is about this. The very first force, um, many times called intelligent regret. Um, the official name or translation is um, the power of destruction. But what it basically means is how do we develop an understanding on why what we did was not very smart? Why we should have not done it? And as you can see, even just the very first step, it has so many um, steps or parts on, into it. You see, we're gonna think about how or why we have committed or the cause meaning why, how we did it, the mode of expression, uh, what happened. So we're gonna go into a lot of details into the very first of the powers. And sometimes going deeper like that can make the practice much more powerful other than just saying like, well, it was not a good thing. Now you're gonna understand really why it was not a good thing. And, and that can also create a lot of emotion. And as you know, emotion and understanding are factors who affect the power of our seats. So that's what we are about to start. Um, will you read a little bit, Brian, and then we go with some questions? Sure. Uh, although I just found what we were looking for, for the collected and committed karma. Do you want me to read some examples? Cool. Where, where did you find it? Uh, I found it in all kinds of karma book. Sure, sure. So I'm gonna give some examples. We have the, the, the kinds of karma which are committed but not collected. And that one example of that would be cases where we commit a negative deed but feel ashamed of ourselves afterwards. So that's committed but not collected. A an example, right? Oh yeah. Then the kind of uh, give me one second. Alexa is playing for something. So I think it's similar. It's, it's basically what Ward was saying regards the karmic path, right? Those are elements correct. of the karmic path, are they? Yeah, correct. That's correct. Re related to that. Mm -hmm. Then we have the kinds of karma that are collected but not committed. And basically those are, uh, you decide that you will undertake and bring it and bring to its completion some physical action, but you fail to do it. So in that case, you have a, you collect karma, but you do not commit it. And then 
a kind of karma deed that is actually truly committed and truly collected would be a case in which we commit a negative deed and then feel uh, no regret after that. That's a full karma, like word said. So those are the, the three examples of, of those committed and collected. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's very useful. Um, so, okay, as we, in general, we know first power, we're going to go into detail on it, but in general, we know the first power is, in this case, sometimes the presentation change, but the first one is develop uh, a regret. But Geshe Michael is very, he emphasizes a lot. <laughs> so he's very smart and he is, he really is like amazing. Um, he emphasized on intelligent regret, not, it's not guilt, it's not, um, you know. So what, what do you guys could share with us, with the audience as well? Um, what will, what will it be a good intelligent regret versus a bad regret? Like, can you see maybe why, why it's so important to, to say intelligent regret? Uh, and maybe if you can help us to, to have very, to separate, discriminate very well, what is a good regret? What is a bad regret? If anybody wants to just share something about it. I would just like to uh, talk a little bit about what intelligent means here. Uh, I cannot answer to the bad or good intelligent regret. I, I never thought about it until now. <laughs> but um, for me, intelligent regret, because I focus a lot on logic. Um, at one point after I started to do four powers, I understood a little bit better the intelligent part of the intelligent regret. And for me, that's thinking about the laws of seeds. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw now in the reading that basically, naturally, I was doing something that is in the reading. Uh, I was uh, remembering the fact that small seeds grow into big trees. So if I was uh, angry, very angry at somebody, and I yelled at that person, that's the small seed. And because I am afraid of my own <laughs> seeds that I'm planting, I realized that maybe 100 persons are going to yell back just as bad or one person is going to do a much bigger scandal than, than I have done to this person. And this is how I am applying the intelligent regret. I realize, oh my God, I've done it, it's gonna grow, and I don't want it to happen to me because seeds grow. That's one, one uh, thing. When I'm doing four powers just after I've planted the small seed. And another thing that happens to me, started to happen to me recently, is when I 
experience the big tree. Uh, and fortunately for me, I have the tendency to easily remember that is coming from me. Uh, and I succeed at restraining myself. I'm still angry inside, but I cannot, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot react in a bad way because I am afraid of my future if I do it. And when I restrict myself, I'm thinking, okay, what is the small seeds from the past that might have created this big tree right now that is screaming in front of me? And I am doing four powers on those small seeds from the past because I always find something that is similar and smaller. Uh, and I'm taking uh, um, a commitment really not to do it in the future because it feels very, very bad. I am very hurt when those seeds are ripening. And that's the real regret because I've been stupid and bad in the past. But I'm talking about myself, not about other people. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. So what I find is, is one of the elements you are definitely adding there in order to make it intelligent is the fact of understanding how reality works. And I really like that. I think it's very important. It's not that we just feel bad because of intuition that sometimes it happens. Sometimes we feel bad when we hurt somebody else, you know, or when we know we did something. And even before, let's say, studying Dharma, sometimes we have that, like, uh, maybe I should have not done that. But maybe we don't really understand why or anything. Like, it's just like an emotional, instinctual thing, I guess. Maybe it's part of being human. <laughs> I don't know. But I like that you add this element. Okay, one element is understanding how reality works. Anything else you guys would like to add? Like if somebody comes to you and, oh man, you know, I feel so bad. Like I did this. Like how can you tell if they are having a good regret? Let's call it intelligent regret or not a good kind of regret what do you guys will advise for people or make a distinction which one is which you know Geshe Michael has this example of the poison right mm -hmm. when you realize that you drink the poison and I think it's a good example although for me at the beginning it was hard to relate to that example because I have never ate poison before so but one thing that I would like uh, that I do like to think of is when you were a child, um, I remember that um, I was playing with my grandfather on the streets and I throw a ball and then I broke a, a window, the glass of a window. Man, I was so scared. I was like, oh no, my grandmother is a person with a strong character. So I was like, oh no, I'm so screwed. And uh, I remember that feeling. I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm such a bad kid. And uh, how did I do that? What I was feeling, what I was afraid of, it was what was coming, the yelling and, and you know, the scolding and all those things. And, and I think 
for me, that is a great example of what is a good regret and what is a bad regret. I like feeling guilty, right? At that moment, I didn't have the time to think of, oh no, such a bad kid and how could I do that on the poor window or my, my poor grandmother. No, 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 that all of, all of that was based on what's coming is worse. So you should have not played with the ball that way. So from when I tried to, to do the intelligent regret, I tried to drive my mind to that feeling of, you know, what is coming is worse because of what you just do. And, and of course it's hidden, but it's there in view of the logic that Anna just described, understanding that it's coming because that's how the world works. So that's, that's a way I use to identify it. Cool, Brian. So one thing that I take from what you say is I like the fact that you didn't feel you didn't identify yourself as a bad person. I mean, you were scared of what was coming. <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine your your grandma going into wrathful mode. <laughs> you know, like, so so yeah, but I find interesting that you say I didn't thought of myself lesser. You didn't thought I'm a bad person, I'm a bad kid, I, I'm a blah, 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 blah. It's interesting. It's interesting to me, but you were concerned more about, oh, what's going to happen then? What, right. What's your take on it, Work. how to differentiate between good regret and useless regret? <clears throat> well, I mean, you guys are talking about a little bit in the chat, but one of the reasons... Geshe-la translated it like that was to make the distinction between guilt and and what we're talking about this this first power um and yeah like intelligent regret is like an informed kind of informed kind of guilt like in the sense that like I shouldn't have done that because it was stupid <laughs> so it's intelligent <laughs> to think that way <laughs> um yeah and that's that's basically it um and like what brian was saying just earlier about his story about the window and stuff so yeah intelligent regret i don't think it's part of the the tibetan like i don't think intelligent is in the word but it's the notion itself is intelligent so therefore geshe translated that way as opposed to a type of guilt which is paralyzing and not helpful um which you know we we come from different countries and stuff but as far as um a lot of the religious backgrounds that came into united states and other parts of north america a, a lot of those religions do have a strong tradition of guilt which is paralyzing and useless <laughs> you know guilt itself doesn't have to be useless like you should feel bad about bad stuff you did. <laughs> Otherwise you'd be a like sociopath or something like that. Um, but not a type of guilt, like Bertha just put in the chat, like that paralyzes you. Um, yeah, that that's not helpful. It's just, it's more, I shouldn't have done that. It's gonna hurt me and others. Let's, let me do something different that's not, you know, and so therefore intelligent. Cool. So what I'm putting together after hearing uh, you, 
all, how do you say in English? Not both, but you trove, <laughs> you three. Um, and also the commentaries in the chat. It seems to me that intelligent regret has to do with an understanding that makes you take action, that makes you move and do something. If it's paralyzing you, it's not good at all. If it's just getting you depressed, oh, and then as the story with Brian, if you identify with it, oh, I'm a bad person, and then you feel bad and you're paralyzed and your energy goes very low and, and you identify a lot with what I have done and I, I don't deserve or whatever, that's bad guilt because it's paralyzing you. And because you under, if you understand how reality works, that's not fixing anything. Actually, what we will need is to take action. Yes, intelligent regret. I know what's coming. I know how reality works. So then I must do something. And what should we do? The rest of the steps. <laughs> um, so we are done with the session. I can't believe it. Well, I, I guess I talk a lot, but <laughs> we are just about to start to see all the elements. We're going to keep going with this subject, but we, we are just beginning to see every single element that we should go through in our minds to really develop this intelligent regret. At least we talk about what it is. It's very important. So maybe lastly, to close, I would like to to ask you guys you know in one of the one of the steps to purify it's also acknowledging in a way we can say is the confession part because okay i understand i did something wrong but um i guess what i would like to ask you to to close is um sometimes we're encouraged to to confess to other people and sometimes also, we hear that there are techniques of confessing to your teacher in your mind, in your heart, or like angels, Buddhas, enlightened beings, bodhisattvas in our minds, in our, our privacy. But what will be your, your take on these two different ways? Do you think one is better than the other? Or when will you advise one or the other? Maybe just word a few general ideas on this. Have you done both? Does one works better for you or different circumstances? So wait, say again, the two options between two options, uh, confessing what the wrongs you have done in your heart mm -hmm. with your teacher in your mind, in your heart or Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, meditation mm -hmm. versus going to your friends or one or many friends and telling them, confessing to a person that you can talk with versus confessing to the, let's say the three yules right um it, it folks like if you feel like vulnerable when you do it that's what matters like if the person you're talking to or if it's in your heart and they like understand what's happening and then you have that feeling of like openness and that you're saying something that and now it's been revealed that you've done it or that you've acted that way in like an authentic way that that's the thing that's necessary like like if you confess to your dog which your dog would listen like it, you wouldn't have that but like you know if you confess something to your you know 
um, partner or your llama or something like that, that they understood like, oh, you have that problem. You've been working on it. This is a big deal for you. Coming to me is actually hard, those things. Um, that's kind of how, where the growth happens around it. And, you know, where the shame and consideration can kind of be used, like in terms of not wanting to do it again. Um, so yeah, uh, either can work, but it has to have that feeling in my view. So is it basically the essence of um, having a real interest in improving, like really not being happy with what you did and have a real, real interest to do something about it or change yourself? Yeah, something like that. Like, well, the confession itself is about being open. And that that's in Tibetan is shakpa, right? Um, like open up. So that's the crucial part. Interesting. The confession. Otherwise, it's just superficial or not real, as someone put in the chat, I think, Brian. Interesting. Thank you so much, Warp. And any of you, Anaili, Brian, have any take on it? Have you tried both? Does one have work better for you than the other? Or um, in my experience, so I am very open about my practice with my friends in the community that know about seeds. So I'm doing coffee meditation publicly and also for powers publicly. Um, recently, I have started to do confession in a smaller group of people who have a more advanced practice. And it's, um, and I, I think, again, from my experience, that the more ashamed you are to put it in writing or in words, if you are speaking with that person, the better it gets cleaned. Um, and also, it didn't happen a lot of times, but I clearly remember one time when in meditation with the teacher brought in meditation, I had a, a very vivid experience of regretting with tears, telling them they were not there. Yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, telling them uh, something about um, uh, something that I did. And I think it's about accepting to yourself that you did the mistake and that was really wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yes, vulnerable, but also accepting to yourself because if you are saying it in meditation to a teacher that is only in, your, in front of your mind or to an actual person that is in front of you, it's still how you confess it it's still coming from you <laughs> obviously yeah so it's it's about this uh, acknowledging that you have done really a bad stuff and understanding it deeply that's uh, that's my take on it so do both <laughs> or <laughs> everybody should find their own way of doing that because we are at different levels Thank you. So honesty about not being like it's almost to me it sounds like 
kind of acknowledging or recognizing to yourself and say, I don't want to be that kind of person. I really don't want to be that kind of person who does that and acts like that. And, and for you, Brian, lastly. What I try to do is to combine both. I mean, <clears throat> if I understand that the people around me is actually coming from me, and if I understand that thanks to mental seats, everything is possible, then what I try to do is when I confess to someone, I try to imagine that that person could be something different than they look like. So I made a combination between doing it like to angels in my mind and to physical people, let's say. And I think of them as those angels in disguise trying to help me to reach the places that they already have achieved. And uh, that's that's what works for me, I think. It's very cool, Brian. That's very, very cool. So yeah, you allow yourself to be suspicious of, I think maybe the person that I'm confessing at, it's a special Something person. else. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having come. I hope you do have a great Thanksgiving. If you happen to be in the United States, it's a big day. Um, so yeah, and if, if you are somewhere else or you don't do anything, just have a great day. It's a great day to have a good day. <laughs> and thank you so much. So if of course you ever want to support this program, but not, not only this program, it's like the whole set of translations, please consider donating and supporting Diamond Cutter Classics. You can find uh, the donation um, at the website. It's very easy, diamondcutterclassics.com. Uh, actually, I, I should put it in the chat. And the translation, the translation program is about to start in, a, in about a month, a little bit more. Um, on January 6th, on January 6th, we're gonna start having these classes and, and we're gonna see as well, among many other things, Geshe Michael starting his, his very own commentary on this text that we were using today. Well, we were using a commentary on Gail Savier on the root text of um, Bodhisattva's Way of Life. Now Geshe Michael is gonna write his own commentary on Bodhisattva's Way of Life. So many of these topics, we're gonna go through them. So if you wanna go deeper, come to the translation class. And next session, we're gonna keep going. We, and we're gonna learn much more, more, more. We're gonna go deeper on this power, but also the whole process of purification. So thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, Ward. Thank you, Anaeli. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, all the translators. Thank you, everybody who comes and participates. Thank you so much and best wishes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Mm -hmm. Best regards to your family word. <laughs> Bye.